before and after. How many have, have taken on a renovation project? Okay. So some of you, some of you never have. Anybody never been involved in a renovation project? You've always just, okay. Never been lucky enough? Well, okay. So in my world, um, my wife will tell you that we kind of live in renovation projects for the last 40 years because it, it just it's part of how God shaped me and I'm still growing and learning what that means. But we're, we're, we experience, we have and we're currently in a renovation of a kitchen, uh, the, the hub of the household, yeah. And there is a before and there is an after. And there's some questions that I, I, want, I want us to be thinking about as we begin our, our time in God's Word this morning, connected to a renovation. There's three questions that I thought of that will help set the table. Number one is why. Why do a renovation? A renovation will typically happen when that question has finally been answered. By the show of hands, there are many of us that just live with what is. Right? You just, okay, great. <laughs> I saw that. You know, it just, you know what? And, and it happens over time, right? And it's like, uh. So until the question of why would we start a renovation? Why would we bring this disruption and change into our life? Nothing's going to happen until the why question is answered. Now, obviously, this morning, we're not, this is not a, a, a seminar on how to renovate your kitchen. I hope that you're beginning to, to put two and two together, that we're going somewhere with this spiritually, right, in God's relationship with us. When you found your match, you said, God isn't finished with me yet. You see, God is in the renovation business of transforming lives. And there is a before and there is an after. And then there's this journey in between that we call renovation, or we might call it sanctification, right? This journey of going from where I was before to who I am becoming. And it's always nice to have that beautiful picture of what it's going to look like at the end, right? Now, my poor wife is, is stuck with, for the last 40 years, almost 40 years, going, okay, why are we doing this, and what, what is it going to look like? And I tell her, because it's, it's up here. And she doesn't have the benefit of me going, look. So what happens in our world is she goes on this, this cursed place called Pinterest that, you know, right, guys? I mean, come on. I'll never measure up to Pinterest. I just can't. Right? It's, I, don't, I don't think it's even real. But we renovated a, a pantry, and I, and I said, it's going to look like this. And she said, oh, okay. And so she goes to Pinterest, and she starts sending me pictures of what it will look like. Yeah, I love you, honey. Wouldn't it be great to have a clear picture of the after? We do, don't we? Don't we have in God's word a clear picture of the why? Why would God do this in my life? Why, why does he allow trials? Why do, why do I have to walk through these, these challenging moments? Why do I have to face this destruction and tear down? Why can't God just leave things well enough as they are? This is going to be dusty. It's going to be destructive. It's going to be, oh, it's going to be so inconvenient. We don't have an oven right now. Ah, I mean, I, I can do anything in a microwave now. You know, it's just like... We have to answer, before we take that on, we have to answer the why question. And God has answered the why question, right? I love you. I love you. And I'm not okay with what you were before. Don, or Ron, where's Ron? That Ron, yeah. 
He knows you by name. I'm still working on it. But he prayed the, 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 the transfer from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of the son he loves. There's the why. Why would God do this? Why would God keep, why am I a work in progress? Why is it that he's not finished with me yet? The why to a renovation is the first question, right? Why would we do this? The second question is what's the scope? What's this gonna, what's this gonna entail? And that's one of her first questions. Okay, what exactly are you gonna do? What's this gonna mean to my oven? What's this gonna mean to the kitchen? What, am I gonna have a dishwasher? Am I gonna have water? Because that was one point in a previous renovation project. You know, the scope, what exactly are we going to do? And again, we have the answer to that question when it comes to our relationship with God. And the answer is Jesus Christ. To be conformed to the image of Jesus. Okay, so God, what's the scope of this renovation that you want to do in me? It is total makeover, right? It's a total transformation of what I was to being more and more like Jesus Christ. And my after picture is going to be in heaven, right? The renovation is going to continue through this life until breath ceases, and then I will be perfected, and I will look in the mirror and go, whoa, not with pride, but with gratitude, right? That I look like Jesus Christ, I act like Jesus Christ, I talk, I love, I serve like Jesus Christ. So we ask, what's the scope? What's the magnitude? And the third question is, how are we going to do it? How are we going to pay for it? Who, is the, who are the skills? What are the skills that are necessary? Now, I hope one takeaway from this morning is that you love, you appreciate my wife's love for me more than ever before. Because this is the one that's, that's the most challenging for us. Because we don't always have all the resources. But I want to do the renovation. I, I got this after picture in my mind. And she goes, well, who's going to do that? And I go, me. <laughs> this, me. Yeah. Now, usually through the renovation, a few times I have to ask somebody to help and I have to hire out. You know, usually after I have done the tear out. How are we going to pay for this? How are we going to, okay, what's needed to do this renovation and how is it going to be paid for? The answer from God's perspective, again, is his grace. His grace and his mercy. That's how it's covered. That's how, is that not what this symbol up here, this cross, does that not represent God's love, his grace, his mercy? Is that not the power for a transformed life? Or is it our skill set and our working harder? And um, There's a part we play, right? He's given us a will, and he calls us to live by faith. But the, the, the transforming that happens in a renovation is his grace. Some of you, maybe this morning as you were doing this and you said to somebody, I'm a work in progress, there might have been thoughts about, wow, I've been a work in progress for a long time. There's some parts of my renovation that have stalled. Why would God just continue to make himself known to us in a way that says, I want to do a renovation in your life. I'm not finished with you yet. You're a work in pro progress. And I promise the work that I began, I will complete it. Why does God engage us that way? Why does Jesus, why does the Spirit engage us that way? Because of his, he loves us, and it's an expression of his grace. It's his grace. That's important. It's important to know that the power behind life transformation, behind a renovated life, if you will, is the grace of God. It is the grace of God.
So we're in a series, we just started last week, Pastor Jeff began our series in 2 Corinthians, and the name of the series is Renovation, Identities Under Construction. Later this morning, I'll give you three questions I'm going to ask you to write down because we're going to keep coming back to these questions through this series. It's all about who are we to him? Who are we as his children? Who am I to God? What is my true identity? And I will suggest that in one way, one way we can look at transformation and God's renovation of our lives is that he is trying to reconstruct our identity to reflect the truth. The world we live in the culture we live in, the moment we live in, as it, for all people, is that we're being told from a lot of different voices who you are, what it is that makes you valuable, what it is that makes you fit in, what it is that makes you be a contributor to society, however you want to phrase it. Now, there's voices internally too, right, that speak to that, and then we're surrounded by it. Meanwhile, the Spirit of God, the truth of God, the Word of God consistently from page one to from the first page to the last page reveals who God is and who we are to him our identity in Christ and as we walk through second Corinthians you'll see that it's this it's it's one of the most interesting books in our in our in our Bible in the New Testament in the, in the Word of God it's a very personal journal if you will inspired by the Holy Spirit of a man's relationship to a church, the Apostle Paul to the church in Corinth. And it's this, this interweaving of Paul describing, talking about his relationship to them, who they are to him, who we are to God. And then he goes and says, here's the foundation for that. Here's what God has to say. Here's what God wants us to know. And he moves in and out of that perspective all through the word of God. We have a very, into, all through this letter, a very intimate look of Paul's relationship to the church in Corinth. Now, we have two letters from Corinth, don't we? Right, we have two. We're pretty confident that there's actually four letters that he wrote. Two of them were in our, in our, in our canon. But there were likely four letters and potentially probably three face-to-face -face visits that, it, that took place between Paul and this church. Listen to these words in the middle of this book, this letter, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. Paul says this, and he, he's saying God's in the renovation business, but here's how the Holy Spirit says it. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed. Isn't that how a renovation begins? You've got to tear out what's broken, what doesn't fit, what, what is not right. The old things have passed away, the old life, sin, what I was without Christ. And look, behold, new things have passed come that's God's renovation business and that is the, the the focal point of this letter between this man the apostle Paul and the church in Corinth and we're privileged by the Holy Spirit's leading to walk through this journey with them or their journey look at chapter 1 verse 12 last week we stopped at verse 11 and if you have your Bible or your electronic device with your with your Bible on it, and they'll be behind me. The text will be behind me as well. Starting in verse 12 of chapter 1. For this is our confidence, Paul says. This is what we glory in. The testimony of our conscience, this is what our, our conscience is saying, is that we have conducted ourselves in the world, and especially toward you, the church, the believers in Corinth, with God-given sensitivity. Sen 
sincerity, God-given sincerity and purity. Not by fleshly wisdom, but by God's, say it with me, grace. Now we are writing nothing to you other than what you can read and also understand. I hope you will understand completely what he's writing about, as you have partially understood us, so that we, that you would know that we are your reason for pride. Same word as confidence for glory, as you are ours in the day of our Lord Jesus. Let me suggest this, and I'll, I'll make three, three um, suggestions or points. The first one is this. Renovation is God's work of grace. It's God's work of grace. It's something that God does in a receptive life, a receptive heart. Can you fight God's renovation? Oh, absolutely. Can my wife fight my renovation in, in the kitchen? Can we, can we disagree? Can we, she, she's got a good left hook, but can we, can we fight? No, but can we kind of, uh, no? Can she go, can she say, I totally disagree with where this is going? Can she say at the beginning, leave it alone, just leave it as it is? Has she said that? Okay, all right, good. Renovation, the transformation of a life, is God's work of grace. Now, we're, we're stepping into the middle. Last week, we saw that Paul is, is connecting with this church, and he's talking about the God of all comfort, and he paints this amazing picture of who God is. And then in verse 12, he kind of shifts to their relationship. And he says, you know, this is, this is the reality of our relationship. And we're confident. And then he, he describes that he reminds them that Paul and the other ministers that have worked to serve that church have done so with sincerity, and it's really the word for holiness, something that is set apart specific for a purpose without being distracted by all the other voices around or shaped by that. That's God's holiness, isn't it? He is who he is, who he's always been, he always will be, and nothing's gonna change that or get in the way of who he is. And then the, the purity word is literally without yeast, without any sin, without the flesh, he said, this is how we've conducted ourselves in the world and specifically in our relationship to you. And let me remind you, we're writing you again, but it's basically, he's saying, it's not, it's A, it's something you can handle and receive, and B, it's not something you haven't heard before. His message hasn't changed. But then he reminds them of this very important truth. Our relationship with you, what we have done, how we minister, how the church was planted, how the gospel came to Corinth was not done by fleshly wisdom, but by the grace of God. So the starting point that he, the, the root that he wants to anchor them back to is what God has done in your life. Before we talk about, and we'll get into the, the problems and the challenges and what needs to happen, but before anything else, let's make sure we're all on the same page. That what God has done in your life, what he has done in my life, is not because of anything I have done, anything that people have done, it's because of the grace of God. And that's where I got to start. The moment we begin to think, you know, <laughs> you know that kitchen, man, I'm telling you, whoever did that kitchen, Micah, you got to come look at it, man. I'm telling you, it's going to look great. The moment I'm there, I've missed the whole point of God's renovation. Somehow I've done it. Somehow my church has done it. Somehow the choices that I've made. Do we have responsibility to make godly choices and live by faith? Yes. He holds us accountable for the ability he's given us to choose our volition, our will. And we can resist him. 
But at the end of the day, when the renovation is revealed and lives are changed and God gives me victory, I better come back and stand on the truth that it's because of the grace of God. Renovation is God's work of grace. God's work of grace. Are we together? New creation, life transformation, sanctification is the work of God. Verse 15. I planned with this confidence, referring back to what he just shared, their relationship. With this confidence, this understanding, I planned to come to you first. Hmm. We don't know the second. We don't know what that's referring to necessarily here. But you with me? There's an ongoing conversation that he's having with these people through these letters and visits. He's referring to a specific moment, a decision that they were all privy to, to come to you first so that you could have a double benefit. And benefit, in, at least in the Holman, is the, Christ, is the English word, but it's the word charis, it's the word grace. Isn't that good? I mean, sometimes it's good just to pause. I wanted to give you a double portion. I wanted to express grace into your life. And so I was planning to come to you first before something else. And then I would, here it is, to go on to Macedonia with your help. So I was going to come to Corinth, be with you, and then you would kind of help me go to Macedonia. Then I would come to you again from Macedonia and be given a start by you on my journey back to Judea. It's one of Paul's missionary journeys. This is my plan. So when I planned this, when I said, okay, this is what God wants, and I communicated that, was I irresponsible? Was I taking it lightly, flippantly? Or what I plan, when I make plans, do I plan in a purely human way? It's up to me and I get to decide and I, in that fleshly wisdom, lay it all out so that I say, yes, yes, and the next moment, no, no, simultaneously, back and forth, double-minded. As God is faithful, our message to you is not yes and no. That's not what's happening. For the Son of God, Jesus Christ, and now he shifts See, he's talking about their relationship and their questions of, why didn't you come when you said you are going to come? And, and do I just kind of do this without regard to you? No. But let me lay the foundation, Paul says, for how he's living his life. And it's this. The Son of God, Jesus Christ, who was preached among you by us. Remember him? Go back to when the gospel first came to Corinth. Remember that part of your journey? And he was, he, this gospel was preached to you by me, Paul, and Silvanus and Timothy. And we did not come. The message of the gospel was not yes and no. On the contrary, their message of the gospel was this. A final yes has come in him, in Jesus. For every one of God's promises. Don't miss this, church. Every one of God's promises is yes in Jesus. God's promises are fulfilled. They're secure. Yes, amen. They will happen because of, through, in Jesus. Jesus Christ. That's why that cross is up there. It's why that we constantly say, what is this about? It's not about us, it's about him. When God tells us through James that every good gift comes down from the Father, every good gift comes to us through the person of Jesus Christ. Renovation is the work of God's grace, and it's, it, it's personified in the God-man Jesus Christ. For every one of God's promises is yes in him. Therefore, the amen, it's going to happen. It's true. You can count it. Old school, we would say, verily, verily. Anybody remember that? Okay. Verily, verily. This is, this is, you can count on this. 
Every one of his promises is yes in Christ. Therefore, the amen is also spoken through him by us for God's glory. The message of the gospel that came to Corinth, the truth that Corinth had, came through Paul, Silvanus, and Timothy, and it's secure, it's sure. Hmm. So maybe part of their struggle is Paul is making plans and those plans change. Could the gospel also change too? No, I agree, but maybe that's what is part of this journey that they're going, hey, and they're accusing Paul. And so he says, here's what's happening in our relationship, but let me take a step back and lay this foundational piece of this part of the foundation. When God makes promises, he keeps his promises, and they are all fulfilled through what Jesus, who Jesus Christ is and what he's done. So let's fix our eyes on him. Let's fix our eyes on Jesus. Let's live like we believe that what he has said and what he has claimed to do is true and it's unshakable. It can't be changed. It won't be changed. And I can live my life confident that who he's always been, he always will be. And if he says I'm a work in progress and the work he's doing is by his grace, I can believe that. I can count on that. I can live in that. And some of you need to hear that this morning. You need to be encouraged that he's not done with you yet. Listen to what Paul goes on in this text. He says, now let me, let me unpack this a little bit, this, what God is doing, what he has promised through Jesus. Now it's God who strengthens us. He strengthens us, literally establishes us firmly with you, it's true of us too, in Christ. So he strengthens us. And secondly, he anoints us. He has anointed us. He has consecrated us. He has set us aside for a specific purpose. Let me ask you a question that I don't want you to answer out loud, but it's a question that we need to ask ourselves regularly. Do you feel, and again, in your heart, do you believe, do you feel, do you think that you're here on purpose and that you have significance, you have a purpose for the glory of God? If you don't, if you don't, renovation has ceased on your life. It's just stalled. It's torn apart. There's stuff laying around, and day after day, you get up and you walk through that kitchen, and it's not changing. There's no progress. Because you have not agreed, believed with Jesus' promise that you are strengthened in him and you are anointed, you are consecrated. You are set apart for a specific purpose. You are here because God wants you here. Not only to be a part of the body, whatever body part, whatever spiritual gift he's given you, but to to the world, to the community in which you live. The salt, the light, the hands, the feet, whatever metaphor makes sense to you, we are here. You individually are here because God wants you here. If, you're not, if you haven't put your faith in Jesus Christ, as Ron challenged this morning, God's giving you, and I don't know you, but I can speak on his behalf. He, he knows you, he loves you, and he wants to give you grace because you have purpose. You just haven't agreed with him yet what it is, and he wants to show you what that is. He wants to bring you into his family, to transfer you from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his son, Jesus, that he loves, into God's family, into the kingdom of God. And if you're here this morning and you've resisted that or you're not sure what that means and so you've yet to say, yes, Jesus, you are my Lord and Savior. I confess with my mouth that you are Lord and I believe in my heart that the Father raised you from the dead. The moment you confess and you agree and you this new creation that Paul speaks of. He will show you your purpose because you're here on purpose. 
Every single one of us. He says we've been strengthened, we've been anointed, we've been sealed. It's the authentication. I'm, I'm getting ready, we're getting ready to go do some traveling um, this summer and, and going into Mexico first and do some ministry. And I had to get out the passports and the passport has an authentication. I can't even say that word. You know what I mean? It's got something there. How, has anybody ever seen a $100 bill? Does anybody have a $100 bill? Can I have it? No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. But there's, there's authentic, authentication. How, I can't say it right. Yes, that. So that's what I heard. There's something in that $100 bill that says, this is real. This is good. You can use this. He says, one of the things that God has done, this work of renovation, how does he do it? Well, he strengthens us. He establishes us in Christ. He has set us apart. He's anointed us. And he has sealed us, authenticated us, if that's a word, as his child. There is a stamp on us that says this, he, she is one of mine. When we come before the Father in heaven and we cry out to his name, the advocate, Jesus Christ, our representative, is there before the throne or at the right hand of the Father, and he's saying, Father, this, this Sharon Tanaka, yeah, she's asking for something. She's one of ours. She belongs to us. She's in our family. She's been recreated. And God would never say this. Are you sure? But you just track with me for it. And Jesus says, yes, absolutely sure. There's a seal on her. She belongs to us. That's what he's done for us. This is a part of the renovation. Strengthened us, anointed us, sealed us, and he has given us, he has supplied us the spirit, the Holy Spirit, indwelling in us as a down payment or a pledge in our hearts. The Holy Spirit is a taste of heaven. He's not diminished. We're the diminished ones, right? I can't handle all of him. I can't, when all of him, I mean, I can't, I'm not ready for heaven. My, my, my sinful nature, my brokenness. And so what does God do in his grace? The spirit of God says, I will come and live in Kurt and I will never leave him and I will teach him what he needs to, to know. I will comfort him. I'll be the paraclete. I'll be the spirit of truth. I'll be the spirit of holiness to transform him and renovate. I'll convict him. I'll just never give up on him. He'll be a work in progress until he comes to heaven and I'm committed to just keep working on him and transforming him into the image of Jesus Christ. The process, the promise of sanctification. I know you're having a hard time believing it as you look at me. He is still working on me. Are you with me? And that, that promise, that, seat, that deposit says all of this is real and true. Heaven is real and true. God's plans are good and they're real and they're true and you can count on them. Well, wait a minute, look at this world. Look what's happening. I'm not sure I can count on anything. I can't, I can't count on mortgage rates. I can't count on the healthcare system. I can't count on government. I can't count on the economy. I can't, I can't even sometimes count on my own family, my own spouse or my kid. I can't, I can't count on anybody. And he says, you can count on this. The Holy Spirit is in you. He will never leave you as a child of God and he will keep working on you. He will keep this renovation going because all of it's real and all of it's true. Thank you. We got one. Renovation, number two, is God's design. Not only is it a work of grace, renovation is God's design. Did you see the clear picture? We talked about it, but... So the, the renovation looks like this for me. Strengthened and established in God's truth, in Jesus himself. Consecrated, anointed, set apart for a specific purpose. I am his, 
I can't be, nobody can snatch me. That can't be taken away what he has done for me. I am his child. I'm adopted. I'll always be his. That's who I am. And I have the spirit of God living in me as a down payment of what's to come to do all that he is doing. Check it out. Now, some of you, <laughs> that was weird. Check me out. Yeah. <laughs> you know, some of you look and you see the before, right? We do. Come on. You can look at the person you're married to if you're married and look at them and you can say, I see you as the before. And then you can live with the consequences. But Jesus looks at us and he sees this. He sees the after. You, you tracking with me? Are you? I want to make sure everybody... We're, he sees this and he's committed to this and he will continue. And this is his design. I don't get to go to him and say, oh, okay, this renovation thing. Let me, let me, let me, uh, let me help you, Jesus. You know, I got some ideas, you know. I want to be. <laughs> no, that wasn't very effective, was it? You know, here you go. How about that better? <laughs> you know, I, I want to look like this. I want to be, I want to talk like this. I want to have these gifts. I want to be seen in this light. Nobody? Am I the only one that has, and has, you know, God, let me help you with the design. And God laughs and, and he gives me a noogie on the head. You know, he loves me, you knucklehead. That's all great, but he says, you know, Kurt, you don't get to pick the design. He picks the design. Renovation is God's design. I don't want to have tough times. I don't want the people I love to be hurt. I don't want to be the source of hurting people that I love. I, I, you know what? I want a big red easy button. That was easy. I want everybody to get along. I want plenty of money in my bank account, so I don't even think about money. Just do it, you know, hey. I have a picture of what the design, God, my life should look like. And Paul reminds them, no, the design, God's renovation in your life and my life, he gets to design it. And can I just say something that we may or may not be ready to hear, but I'm going to say it. God's design is good. So when you have trials, rejoice. Because God's design is good. When pain is all you know, say thank you, God, because you're doing something. Your design is good. See, it's easy to go amen, right? And I'm with you. His design is good. But Tuesday morning, you might have a different thought. Or Thursday night. You with me? God, renovation is God's work of grace. Secondly, renovation is God's design. And it is good. It's strengthened, anointed, sealed, supplied and a down payment of the Holy Spirit. Oh, there's so much I could talk. Let me keep moving. We're going we're gonna to be in this, this series for a while, and so my, my thought, our thought is those that are teaching, we're going to keep painting the picture of his relationship with Corinth. We won't do it all in one morning, even though I got a whole bunch that I'd love to share. I found this quote, and I had this cool moment. I don't know if you guys, everybody's experienced this, but my dad and I, we're talking about, I don't know how to say it, Augustine or Augustine of Hippo. You know that guy? How many of you have met him? Okay, good. You're being honest, okay, because he died a long time ago. But we're talking about this guy, and he had called, and we were talking about it, and it was interesting that I had been reading uh, from his confessions, and I found this quote. So that was a really cool moment, Dad. Thanks. You have made us. He's speaking of God. Augustine says, you have made us for yourself, O Lord, and our heart is restless until... It rests in you. 
Our heart is restless until it rests in you. We're not going to be happy. We're not going to be receptive to God's renovation in our life, his transformation, the sanctification process that he promises. We're not going to be happy. We're going to resist it. We're going to push back until we just embrace that his design is good. The plans he has for me are good. I don't like the pain. I don't like the trouble. I don't like the heartache. I don't like the brokenness. He works on all of that, and he has a clear picture of the after. And he says, this is what I want to do in your life. And I'm going to be dissatisfied, upset, in conflict with him until in my heart I just rest in him and stop telling him what the design should look like. Okay. I just want to, I don't want to be the only one. Verse 23. Verse 23. Paul says, I call on God as a witness. So help me God, on my life, that it was to spare you that I did not come to Corinth when he told them he was coming. I do not mean that we have control. We're not trying to lord it over your faith, but we are workers with you. We are in this kingdom building, the church, and what God is doing with the gospel together with you, and it's for your joy, because you stand by faith. We live by faith. We stand by faith. In fact, I made up my mind about this. Here was, here's my decision that I'd made. I would not come to you on another, wouldn't be the first, painful or filled with sorrow visit. For if I cause you pain or sorrow, then who will cheer me? Who will give me joy other than the one who is hurt by me, by my visit, who is grieved? I wrote this very thing to you that when I came, I wouldn't have pain from those who ought to give me joy because I am confident, I am fully persuaded about all of you that my joy will also be yours, that we will share in this joy, we will come to the same conclusion, these things that he's been talking about. For I wrote to you with many tears out of an extremely troubled and anguished heart, because remember 1 Corinthians there was a problem in the church, there were many but there was one that really grieved Paul's heart and I think that's what he's referring to when he says, I wrote to you with many tears out of an extremely troubled and anguished heart that not that Not that you should be hurt, but that you should know, now catch this, here's the heart of Paul, that you would know the abundant love that I have for you. Here's the last thought. Renovation is a a work of God's grace, and it is a divine design. It's God's design. Finally, renovation is a labor of love. We've got to be anchored to that. We've got to come back to the why. Remember the why question? Why would we do this? Why would we tear up the kitchen? Why would I submit to God's renovation in my life? Because it's hurt and it's hard, it hurts and it's hard and it's inconvenient and all the above. Why? Oh, that's right. He loves me. He loves me. He loves you. Renovation, transformation, sanctification is a labor of, of love. I pray that our, what I'm doing in the kitchen is always rooted in a labor of love, not something else. And it could be lots of other things, right? It should be a labor of love. Write, write down this text, Acts chapter 18, verses 1 through 11. I'm not going to read it, but what you'll find there is the beginning of the church in Corinth. And it is a labor of love by Paul and some others. Would you read that this afternoon or this week? Acts chapter 18, 1 through 11. And you'll see how this church began. It made me think of this body of believers. Let me read this in verse 11. God, 
Paul was really discouraged in Corinth, and God tells him, he gives him a word, he gives him a, a vision. He says, I am with you, Paul. No one will lay a hand on you to hurt you because I have many people in this city. There's God's heart of love. We know some about Corinth. We'll unpack some more as we go through this. It was not a great, it was not a God-fearing city. We'll just leave it at that for right now. But God says, Paul, keep ministering because I have people there. And so Paul stayed a year and six months, and what did he do? He taught the word of God among them. That's a labor of love. You read in Acts 16 what it looks like. It made me think of this body. This church exists because of a labor of love. In 1930, a man sitting under a, an oak tree teaching people the word of God in a field. And that's how we started. It's a labor of love. So let me close with this. The questions that I told you about. You ready to write these down? I strongly encourage you. I urge you, brothers and sisters, write these down. We're going to keep coming back to this. Number one, who am I in Jesus? Who am I in Jesus? That's the after picture, right? That's what he's done. That's the design. But we need to keep it. Who am I in Christ? What do I have? What do I gain? I'm no longer in the kingdom of darkness. I'm now in the kingdom of the son he loves. Who am I in Christ? Number two, who am I to Jesus or to Christ? How does he see me? Can you begin to ask that question? As we move through this, every day this week, you could sit down and say, who, I, who am I in Christ? Just start your day that way and write down what he gives you and what you know to be true. Who am I to Christ? How does he see me? What am I to him? And thirdly, who am I for Christ? As I live through today, this day that is before me, who will I be for him? Who does he say that I am for him? Now, things start coming to mind, right? Just start writing those down. And we're going to move through this book together and we're going to fill out these beautiful pictures. So at the end of 2 Corinthians, every one of us with clarity and confidence could say, this is who I am in Christ. This is what he's done for me. This is what I have because of him. This is who I am to him. This is how he sees me. Remember that work in progress? Not finished with me yet? And this is who I will be for him as I go out and live my life. Hold on, Steve. We'll so write those down. Let's contemplate those together. I want to invite our, our worship team to come. And I, I want to encourage us, let me make sure I'm on where I'm supposed to be. I want to encourage us not to miss the moment that is before us. I prayed at the beginning, God help us to not just be hearers or listeners, but that we would be doers. And this is our moment to begin to be doers, whatever it is that God has spoken to us or given us. And so let me, let me ask God to do that in, in us, and then we're going to begin to respond. Father, thank you for this moment. Thank you for your faithfulness to us. Thank you for your patience, your kindness, your goodness, your grace, your mercy. Thank you for never giving up on us. Speak to us now. Each one that is here, each one that is listening um, online, speak to each heart right now. Make it clear to us what you're asking of us, how you want to renovate, how you want to move us closer to the after picture. Speak, Lord, your servants are listening. In Jesus' name, amen.